You're listening to the Celestial Citizen Podcast, and I'm your host, Britt Duffy Adkins. Celestial Citizen is a space media company with embedded urban planning values, looking to help shape a more equitable and just future for all of us in space. This podcast seeks to provide an opportunity for conversation about how to be a better interplanetary citizen and responsible steward of Earth and the cosmos. By engaging the global public, providing greater access to the space industry, and amplifying a more diverse set of voices, progress in space can equate to progress on Earth. We who are bursting with stardust can become celestial citizens. Today, I'm super excited to be speaking with Glenton Richards, a writer on the hit TV show and Celestial Citizen community favorite, The Expanse. Each character is not completely good, not completely bad. There's no like mustache villain in any of our seasons. There are people that do evil things with good intentions, and there are people that have good intentions but end up not being able to accomplish their goals or they end up going down a bad path. In this special bonus episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast, we'll discuss the release of the final season of The Expanse and hopefully some teasers for what to expect, as well as another big announcement for fans of the show. Even as far as technology advances, as far as for humanity when we travel into space in the future, and a lot of those problems that we've had for hundreds of years are still gonna be there with us. So whether it's kind of classism, racism, those kinds of issues, those are still gonna be problems that we're gonna have to deal with, whether we end up on Mars in a few decades or whether we end up out in the belt. My guest on today's show, Glenton Richards, is a television and film writer living in Los Angeles. During his time in LA, he has had the opportunity to work as a writer's assistant on the Emmy award-winning show Fargo, under the supervision of showrunner Noah Hawley, and later on the Emmy-nominated show American Crime, under the supervision of Oscar-winning screenwriter John Ridley. Glenton got an unusual start in the entertainment industry where he worked on the Dallas-based production Barney and Friends as a dinosaur wrangler. After graduating, Glenton began pursuing his dream in Los Angeles where he worked his way up in the industry as a mailroom assistant at CAA before branching out into television production. Glenton most recently served as the staff writer on the Amazon Prime series The Expanse. And Glenton, as a huge fan of the show myself, I'm incredibly excited to have you on the show today. So thank you so much for joining us here on the Celestial Citizen Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So we've got to dive into that bio a little more since it sounds like you've had a super interesting journey into the entertainment industry. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you began your journey as a television writer? So I guess my journey starts 
the way many other writers start their career is I initially started as an engineer and I decided halfway through college that I did not want to do that anymore. So I was looking at various other things to pursue and I saw that in my college they had a radio, TV and film program and I decided to give it a shot. Growing up, people told me I had a good radio voice. And so I was just like, you know what, let me check out this radio, TV and film program and ended up falling in love with television and film. So I just decided this is what I was going to do and decided to move out to L.A. to pursue it. And years later, ended up here on The Expanse. If you started out in engineering, were you always kind of interested in science and space sort of stuff? Like, did you imagine yourself being a writer on a sci-fi show or did that just sort of happen by chance? You know what? I always have loved science fiction and just the genre of space in general. And so it was one of those things where it's just like, I guess naturally just kind of happened. I think a lot of the stuff that I'd written before was in that genre space, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. I just got lucky enough to get the opportunity to work on this show just a few years ago. I've really enjoyed it ever since. The fandom around science fiction shows is amazing. Our fans are incredibly passionate. They actually saved us from cancellation. We were actually canceled in season three. So it's just been a thrill. I've really enjoyed it. Looking back, I'm just so glad that the show kept going because the story has just evolved so much since season three. The first couple of seasons were amazing, but to see really where the show has gone has been really exciting. So how did you get synced up with The Expanse then in the first place? I joined in season three. Funny story, how it all kind of like happened. Well, when I left CA, the talent agency, I began working for a TV writer, Noah Hawley. It was before he had sold Fargo. And worked for him for about a year, ended up, he wasn't able to sell any projects at the time. But while I was working for him, I got connected to another writer-producer, Paul Schering, who he did the show Prison Break years ago, and I worked with him for a while. And while I was working on this show that Paul had sold, I met Narain Shankar. And Narain and I struck up a friendship, as I did with his assistant, Allie. Lambert at the time. And so after this show had ended, I ended up going to work on Fargo, ended up working on American Crime. And after American Crime had ended, like the show got renewed, but they got their budget cuts. They couldn't afford to bring me back on for the final season. So I was kind of looking around for the next thing. And at the time, Hallie and Narain, I found out were hiring in the writer's room, hiring an, an additional assistant. And I was just like, hey, I'm interested. And basically they're like, oh, you're interested? You're hired. They knew me at the time. So they were just like, you don't even need to apply. They're like, can you start on Monday, basically? And I was like, absolutely. And it was just an amazing time. I felt like even though I was an assistant, I actually got to pitch in the room like one of the writers. So I felt like my ideas were really valued. And it just was one of those things where it's just this show is really well thought out. The writers are all really smart and the fans are really passionate. And it just felt like a really great fit. So it's funny then what happened is like, you know, when we aired, the ratings were pretty good. We were on the Sci-Fi Network at the time and we were one of their top couple shows. But the Sci-Fi Channel couldn't afford to continue with our show. So they're basically like, we need to cancel you guys. And our fans were just like so passionate. They were like, oh, no, we are going to get you guys renewed somewhere else. <laughs> and so they mount this amazing fan campaign. 
And they got like over 150,000 signatures. They collected over 150,000 signatures online. They raised over $6,000 to fly a plane with a banner over Amazon Studios with a sign that says, Save the Expanse. <laughs> and so we, so, yeah, so it was like this incredible thing where it's just like within the span of 10 days, we've been canceled, but then all these like campaigns start to mount to like get us picked up. And then we start to hear a little chatter from like Amazon that like, you know, they're looking into it and maybe, you know, the numbers might not work out. We'll see kind of thing. And so it just so happened that at that same time, there was going to be a space conference in Los Angeles and our cast and our showrunner were going to be attending. Also in attendance was going to be Jeff Bezos, who owns Blue Origin. So they go to this and they see Jeff Bezos and he sees them. He's like, hey, yeah, I love your show. I hear that my people are in talks to maybe pick up your show, but we'll see what happens, you know, that kind of thing. So it was like kind of this weird thing where it's like, oh, okay, so this is actually happening. So, so maybe, you know, you know, something might happen down the line. And he's having like this like little conference, this interview. And Jeff Bezos says, you know, hey, before we get started, is anybody here a fan of the TV show The Expanse? And it's a space conference. So every, obviously everyone's cheering. They're like, yeah, we love that show. And he's like, well, I just got off the phone with my executive five minutes ago and we have just saved the expanse and like everyone just goes nuts and it's just like this like crazy just like surreal experience and so we go from basically being canceled and being like all right well i guess gotta go look for a new job to like now we have like new life on a new network and it was just an amazing whole amazing experience so oh my gosh i can only imagine that's like a hollywood fairy tale right there because i mean most shows when they get canceled there's really not much that they can do after that. But the fact that the fans came through and then I had heard that story as well about Jeff Bezos kind of being a fan of the show and being like, oh, we got to save it as well. So, wow, that must have been really exciting to be at that conference. Given that the show is just such a popular cult favorite, as you said, I mean, the fandom is strong for The Expanse. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. I think everybody that's come on, I would say the majority of our listeners are all big fans. As a writer, does that put a lot of pressure on you, more so than even working on other shows, just because you know that the fans are really like living and dying for the show? I don't know if it's necessarily pressure that we feel. I think we put pressure on ourselves. I don't know if we feel necessarily pressure from the fans. I think we're lucky in the fact that our show is based on a series of books. So we do kind of have a little bit of a framework to base the next season off of. But we're always looking to come up with the best version of that story that we're going to tell that season. So I think because we just have some really smart people in the room. We're all able to kind of collaborate and come up with the best ideas. And we're always pushing ourselves to kind of come up with the most interesting version of whatever story that we're telling. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of where the pressure comes from. There are definitely times where like what the audience says online or whatever, things that they kind of talk about, those are kind of things that we're like, oh, okay, they really fed off of that. And maybe that might kind of like influence us a little bit for the next season or, and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's too much pressure that we get, but we definitely feel encouragement from the audience, from their passion, for sure. Is it challenging writing for a show that can at times get very technical? 
Because from the viewer's perspective, it feels very effortless. But I'm just wondering how much consultation with scientists or engineers is involved in each script. I feel like we have some really smart people in the room. Narain Shankar, he's an engineer, actually, by education. And he just, after he you know graduated, decided to switch into writing. And I'm an engineer dropout. So <laughs> so we have that. But we have a lot of really intelligent people in the room. And I think especially the authors having gone through and written this whole series, they have connections as well to the science world. And so there are times where we have, well, we'll know the technical things that happen just from knowing. Other times we'll just be like, science stuff happens here. And we'll have to reach out to whatever context we need to kind of fill in the blanks for those certain scenes. I mean, I think that's one of the things, though, that fans love so much about this show is that there really is so much attention to these sort of theoretical futures or things like that that seems obviously very futuristic and speculative, but also just plausible enough that people are able to, I think, get really excited about it as feeling like it's slightly more realistic, you would say, than maybe some other sci-fi shows out there. For fans struggling with this being the final season of the show, don't despair because, Glenton, you've also got some very exciting news to share about The Expanse that was just announced yesterday, at the time of this recording anyway. So what can you tell us? There are a lot of kind of like side stories and additional things that we wanted to tell. During season six, during the writing of it, we decided to write these, what they call x-rays, and Amazon basically paid us to film these like kind of five minute shorts and turned out really well. It was a collaboration of a few of us, myself and my colleague Juliana Damewood. And one of them is also co-written between myself and Wes Chatham, who is an actor on the show. And we came up with these five shorts and they're gonna air weekly in addition to each episode when each episode drops. And it's going to be really fun. I think audiences are going to really enjoy it. And I'm excited for people to see it and to kind of get their reactions from it. So that's the big news that we had to share. And I'm surprised that the information didn't leak a little bit sooner. It was something where <laughs> yeah. we had been filming it and, and I've been kind of teasing it a little bit online, but no one had any idea It's such a cool idea because I think it just goes to show that the Expanse universe, if you will, it kind of lives on in all these different ways. It's just kind of exciting to see these digital shorts as like another way of kind of branching out from the original story as well. This was kind of a thing that we had in mind since like season four, actually. And season four, when we're filming the season uh, that took place on Illus, there was actually a side story that they actually had me write that was a meeting between two of our main characters for that season. And it turned out really well. But unfortunately, because of like filming timing and logistics and that kind of stuff, we weren't able to actually get it filmed and everything. I'm really glad that it came together this season. Another big announcement, too, was that The Expanse is now being developed into a story-driven game with Kamina Drummer kind of being the central character of that. That was just recently announced. Now, obviously, that's in partnership with a different company, with Telltale. But I was wondering how much coordination was there or has there been between the show and the development of this game? So this was like (laughs) the first I was hearing about it this week when they announced it. So this was definitely a coordination between Alcom Studios and Telltale. So 
it's definitely one of those things that it's still in development, but it was really exciting news. We have six seasons and a video game. Yeah, it's so. amazing. So many people love Drummer, like as a character. Absolutely, yeah. You know, a super exciting choice there too to kind of like have the game be centered around Drummer's, you know, storyline as well. Yeah, and I'm super excited for Kara. She is an amazing person, an amazing actor. So I'm really excited to see what they come up with for this. Like she's going to be continuing as like the voice of the character and being involved, correct? Absolutely. Okay, so let's dive into the show a bit here. So we had already sort of talked about the fact that you had joined in season three, but in your opinion, how has the show really evolved over the last few seasons? Like what do you see as sort of like the key themes and trends that have taken place where the show has really grown over the last few seasons? Each season is kind of a different tone in the sense that each book that it's based off of has a different tone. So season four was more of a Western. Other seasons are a bit more action-y. The first season was more of a like film noir. But I guess the kind of recurring theme is about humanity in general. It's about humanity has its flaws. But at the end of the day, there's more good in humanity than there is bad. And I think it's finding that each character is not completely good, not completely bad. There's no like mustache villain in any of our seasons. There are people that do evil things with good intentions. And there are people that have good intentions, but end up not being able to accomplish their goals or they end up going down a bad path. So I think I would say the overarching theme for the show is just about humanity in general. And even as far as technology advances, as far as for humanity, when we travel into space in the future, and a lot of those problems that we've had for hundreds of years are still going to be there with us. So whether it's kind of classism, racism, those kinds of issues, those are still going to be problems that we're going to have to deal with, whether we end up on Mars in a few decades or whether we end up out in the belt. I think the idea is we want good people to continue to do good things and and overcome. It's a quest of good versus evil, I guess, in the long term. Yeah. And what I love about this show is that it really is kind of this big thought experiment in a lot of ways. And even right off the bat, I feel like I've been really intrigued by the themes of justice that have come through in the storyline. I think that's something that's carried through since the beginning of the show. In particular, like in this first episode that just was released, we're dealing with the asteroid attacks on Earth that began in the season five finale by Belter leader Marco Cineros. And the Belters, they sort of view this resulting climate disaster and food shortage as serving justice for the Earthers' mistreatment of those living in the belt. And then we get another theme of justice playing out in the addition of Clarissa Mao to the Rocinante crew, despite her troublesome history with James Holden. And he exposed the crimes of her father. She tried to kill him, obviously. Them working together is very quite awkward. challenging. Yeah, very <laughs> awkward. But now, you know, she's sort of being guided through her penance by Amos, Amos has also dabbled in his own criminal activity in the past before finding his moral compass, so to speak. So how intentional was the writing team in trying to provide viewers with these thought-provoking themes of justice? Because from a policy perspective, I have to say, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to watch them play out. We're definitely all about the long game on The Expanse. I think you'll see in episode one of season six, 
after you have like this first couple minutes of showing the destruction on Earth. And then you have this belter saying, now Earthers know what it feels like to be belters. That character is the same person in season one, episode one, that was giving the speech on series that Miller walked past. It was this belter and he was just basically giving this speech talking about how Earthers are stepping on the necks of belters. And so we wanted to bring this guy back, you know, just for this one scene to kind of make it a full circle kind of moment. And then in addition to that, there is a scene in episode one of season six where uh, Vassarala is looking out at these cornfields that have been decimated due to the rock strike. And one of the um, people next to her says, I used to love shooting stars. And she says, I never did. And that's an allusion to a season one when she was laying on the roof with her grandson and they're looking up at shooting stars and they're talking about people throwing rocks. And so it's kind of like a thing where we've definitely tried to lay in some stuff and kind of pay it off, even if it's, you know, six seasons afterwards. So it's been really fun to do that and kind of show like, you know, just how if you see people doing evil things, eventually those things are going to come back to bite you in the ass. And there are people doing evil things and, you know, stepping on the necks of belters, you know, season five and season six is kind of like showing that stuff coming home to roost. Now, obviously, this show presents a really interesting vision of the future as humans start to expand out into the solar system. I mean, do you think personally that we'll be able to avoid some of the mistakes and fallout presented on the show? Or do you think that sort of similar geopolitical conflicts in space will be hard to avoid? I really hope we could avoid some of those issues. I see us kind of moving more towards space in the coming decades, whether it's trying to get back to the moon, trying to get to Mars. And I think that a lot of the stuff that we're showing in the show, I think can be both a warning, but also something that could just play out in one form or another. I think like you have like corporations like SpaceX, Blue Origin, those kinds of things that are growing really rapidly and taking people to space. If you play that out 200 years, you could see the kinds of things that big corporations kind of, you know, mining and that kind of thing. And so the hope is that those corporations then treat their workers with respect. Not to say like, well, those companies treat their workers with disrespect now or anything like that. But I think with the stories that we're kind of telling, you're showing things that have happened in the past and you're just showing the future version of whatever those kinds of stories are. So whether it's people mistreating entire groups of people, it's like that stuff has happened in the past and that stuff can happen in the future. So I think our show in a way is a bit of a warning, but it's also a kind of thing where it's like history repeats itself. So don't be surprised if 200 years from now, some of that stuff continues. And I do really hope that people view it as a cautionary tale. I know that we've had some space policy experts come on this podcast, and that's how they describe it, as a cautionary tale. Yes, we love the dazzling visuals. We love this, like, fantastic, awe-inspiring vision of the future, right? I mean, that's exciting to think about. 
But at the same time, The Expanse does such a great job of, I think, balancing that out with also the heaviness of the political and social upheaval that plays out on the show. The show has such a huge fan base, and especially within the space community. I really appreciate the fact that a lot of these plot lines are also really helpful in sort of guiding conversations so that we hopefully, you know, can prevent all the negative things that we don't want to take with us to space, that we can hopefully prevent those by starting to have some of the conversations around that now. You know, what's nice is The Expanse provides that sort of theoretical and futuristic thought experiment to sort of see how those things might play out before they actually might in reality. And another big overarching theme in the show is that eventually society expanded into space to the point where nationalities on Earth sort of seem to dissolve into this broader Earther planet. But as is unfortunately typical with humans, we always find new ways to quote unquote other people. So I think the plot really revolves a lot around the conflicts that arise between the Earthers, the Martians, and the Belters. And then, of course, there was the introduction of the ring as a gateway to other worlds. So in season six, can we expect to see any kind of shifting alliances in response to new discoveries beyond the ring? That's a good question. And... Not one that I'm sure I can answer (laughs) without spoiling anything. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. I had to give it a shot, but I knew that one might, you might not be able to answer that one. I will say that each season is like kind of a little bit of a continuation and a kind of slow evolution of alliances. So in the past, Earthers and Martians were more adversaries post the war in season three, I think they moved towards like a little bit of a truce. And I think as you'll see in season six, I think there are some more shifting alliances as well, whether in spite of the ring gate or because of it, I think that's something people will have to tune in to see. Okay. So without giving anything away. I will say like the first episode alone of season six, I was really blown away. I mean, it was very intense. A lot happened. So what teasers can you give, if any, for this last season? I guess I would say that this season, at least part of it, is a bit of that in the trenches kind of warfare that you've seen in past wars, whether it's like World War One, World War Two, whatever. But it's a lot of people just kind of in the thick of war and just kind of, you see a lot of the tension that comes from that. Even with the Rossi crew, I think in episode one, you see them in this battle. And after the battle, it's not like a big celebration or anything like that. It's a bit of just like, uh, we just made it through that. And there's a lot of tension within the crew partly because of what they went through in season five. One of their crewmates passed away, and that person was more the kind of the harmonious, let's all get along kind of person. So you have somebody passing away, and then you put people in this thick of war, and you're going to see a lot of tension. And I think you're going to see a lot of kind of people second-guessing certain things that they've done in the past, a lot of alliances starting to kind of shift and a lot of old ways of thinking are going to start to shift as well. And I think you're going to see a lot of action as well. So it's it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be emotional at times. It's going to be really fun too. And I have to say one of the newer characters 
Philip, son of Marcos and Naomi. Really interesting to see this character develop. Again, I don't want to like give any spoilers, but things are getting emotional. It's going to be really interesting. His storyline was definitely one of my favorites to work on in the writer's room. I think post season five, when his dad strikes Earth, he's pretty famous. And so you see him, the opening for season six, he's enjoying the spoils of war with a lovely lady on series. But then you see like this emotional turmoil that he's kind of going through in the midst of that episode. And it kind of all comes to a head by the end of the episode. So there's going to be definitely more of an emotional roller coaster that he kind of goes through throughout the season. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Which character was the most fun to write for? I feel like that changes by the day for me. I feel like Amos is really fun to work on. He's in some ways very simple, but he's also just incredibly complex as a character. I think Avasarala was really fun to work on. I'm a bit of a political junkie myself, so I think someone that is in the midst of the politicking and everything was really fun to kind of help develop. Someone that can also just drop an F-bomb at the drop of a hat is also really fun. So Yeah, she's great. She's one of my favorites. I love the way she just like effortlessly curses out people while getting her point across. So... So well, it's in pretty, general, I love how yeah. strong all the women on this show are. And obviously they've gone through their trials and tribulations on the show. But yeah, it's just so nice to see like these really sort of complex female characters as well. Yeah, from drummer to Naomi, Avasarala, Bobby, all of them are really strong and complex in their own ways. And so it's it's been really fun to work on a show that really kind of plays into it. So... Is this the end for The Expanse, or do you see the possibility of any future television or film projects carrying on the storyline? I think that's to be determined. We ended with book six out of nine, so there's three more books that can be told. Obviously, there is a big 20-year time jump between book six and seven, so there's that. But I guess it kind of depends on a mix of the studio, the network, the fans. If enough people are clamoring for something else, maybe there'll be movies or another season or something. I think just like we saw with the announcement of the video game, I think there is definitely more life, more stories left to tell. So I would not be surprised if we see more of The Expanse in the future. Well, I think that's a great thing to put out there to the universe because I know that myself and many others would really love to see that happen. It's a storyline that I think feeds really well into spinoffs or future tellings or things like that. Whenever you have such like a rich kind of complex storyline and sort of this like built up sort of future society, I think it lends itself really nicely to being able to carry on. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Mm -hmm. we'd love to see that. Fingers crossed for sure. So what's one thing that you would change about the plot of the show, if you could, (laughs) without getting you into hot water? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You say that now. (laughs) You know what? What's what's funny is I'm kind of notorious in the room when we're talking about like the Earth, Mars, and the belt. I have always been super curious about Mars. And I felt like, oh, like it would be fun to kind of see a little bit more of what happens on Mars and some new characters and stuff like that around Mars. But I think we only had a certain amount of real estate to kind of tell stories. And we had so many characters that we weren't able to kind of like tell as many stories as we would like. 
I think maybe that would have been something that could have been a little bit fun to kind of see. But I, I'm really happy with, you know, how things turned out and everything. And I feel like also the show is like probably a bit a victim of its own success too, where it's like the show did such a great job of imagining the future of the belt. And I feel like in the space community prior to this show, probably prior to the books and all that, but like nobody had really given a ton of thought around what that would look like or be like. Whereas in the space community, obviously we talk about Mars all the time. We talk about futures on Mars and things like that. So it's interesting because I almost feel like people were so sort of hungry for more content around the belt. Cause I hear that from people all the time where they're like so fascinated by the treatment of the characters and the culture and everything like with the belters in particular. So it just naturally kind of, I think, gravitated that that was like a very interesting area to focus on. But you're right. I would be super interested to see a bit more of the story of Mars and all of that. But agree, like I think the plot of the show has just been absolutely fantastic. So there's no, not a lot to change, right? Like it was, no, it was for sure. Solid. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, that, that's really funny. It's like it's there's so many of our fans that are just they know a lot of the belt lingo, you know, they'll oh, shout yeah. out Beltalata, you know, and all that stuff. It's funny because just like, you know, before the expands, like you said, there weren't a whole bunch of people just like thinking about the asteroid belt and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. um, it's really cool that our show has been able to kind of broaden people's horizons into that arena. Because the other thing, too, about Mars, which is interesting, just kind of circling back to that, I can't remember exactly which season it was, but there was chatter around, like, the fact that they were trying to terraform the planet as well. Like, that was part of the storyline there. And then it did feel like with all the other conflicts going on, I don't know if that just got indefinitely delayed or if in a potential spinoff or something like that would be able to see that play out. Of course, terraforming... Within the space community, it's a very like controversial kind of topic area anyway, in terms of whether or not people feel like we should actually do that. But I think it would be interesting to see how that would play out in like a fictional setting for sure. You know, what's funny is talking about like how a lot of the same issues that follow humanity will follow us wherever we go. It would be interesting to, you know, see 200 years in the future if humans are settled on Mars and the government decides to terraform the planet. If you have protesters kind of protesting the terraforming of the planet, the way you have people protesting here about, you know, climate change, you know, that kind of thing. Do you kind of see that kind of same thing play out just in a different way on a different planet? It's funny you bring that up because just on our episode that came out actually just yesterday was with Dr. Morbaja, who is a space environmentalist and also an expert on space debris. You know, as we start to see more and more people, I think, have this sort of holistic vision of connected Earth, Moon, Mars system or things like that, and we start to kind of broaden the way that we think about environmentalism to not only just necessarily be taking care of Earth, which is obviously critically important, but also thinking about our orbital environment and what we're doing there and sort of the decisions that we're making on other celestial bodies. The technology is speeding up. Our capabilities will expand. The question is, how do we take responsibility and accountability for what we're doing in space as well? Which again, I mean, I love that this show kind of plays into some of those themes so that people can start thinking about it both from an entertaining perspective, but also from a very real like 
these are things we need to consider. Like, are these the right choices to make? How much impact is it appropriate for humans to have on other celestial bodies, if at all? I mean, it really depends on where you stand on that. So I really love that the expanse goes there because as somebody who enjoys talking policy, I think it's just really fascinating. And I think it also shows that sometimes said this earlier in the episode, despite our best intentions, we don't always get it right. And then sometimes we're not well-intentioned and that's also bad. So I think it's very complex, but the more we try to have those conversations and sort of think ahead about what we're doing and understand what those consequences of our actions might look like, I think the better off we'll be for it. So pivoting a bit here, we ask this of everybody that comes on the show. This is the last question before our lightning round. But Celestial Citizen is all about the idea that humans can become not only better stewards of Earth, but also better interplanetary citizens. So in your opinion, what is one important way in which people can work toward becoming Celestial Citizens today? I would say just doing their small part, whatever that is, in caring for the environment. I think that we can do a better job in terms of If you're going somewhere, can you take public transportation? If you're thinking about ordering a bunch of stuff online or whatever, it's like maybe there are certain things that you can avoid ordering because a lot of that stuff, you know, gets shipped from foreign countries and that's a long way to travel for one or two items. That's a lot of, you know, greenhouse gases that get emitted and stuff. So I think just in our own small ways, I think some of the bigger overarching things are going to be have to solve by governments. But I think at the end of the day, if we're all doing our small part, I think we can all make this planet better and safer and more hospitable for our future generations. Well, I think that's a great piece of advice to end on. And then now our lightning round is a little less serious. It's basically just going to be some quick questions. And you can feel free to give a brief explanation if you want or no explanation at all. And we'll just be in mystery as to why you picked what you did. But uh, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Worst space movie or show ever? I'm, I'm really stumped on that one. Do you have a best space movie? Well, I don't know if it's the best, but it's the one that I enjoy the most, The Martian. Oh, well, you'll be in good company because a lot of people listening love The Martian. We get that answer a lot. I watch it like multiple times a year. I also love that it ends on like a positive note too. Okay, favorite planet or moon? A favorite planet, Mars. Actually, no, I'm going to change that. I know a lot of people pick Mars uh, and, you know, I like Mars, but I would say Venus. Venus is a very kind of underrated planet. It's obviously got a lot of stormy gas, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but I think it is something where if humans look to that and really kind of put their heads together, I think there could be a way to kind of explore more. I actually feel like there's a very like small but passionate community of Venusians, as they you know like to call themselves, mm-hmm. where they're like very... <laughs> want to learn more about the planet, think there's all these great opportunities there. So I think you're right. I think Venus is underestimated. Okay, so pick one, Earther, Martian, or Belter? For that one, I would say Martian. I'm seeing a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) I think Earther, you obviously are living on a planet with billions of people, an overcrowded planet. I think Belters, as fun as we kind of make it sound maybe on our show, I think it's not very fun to <laughs> worry yeah, about food life. food yeah. and water and that kind of thing. Although if you're 
if like drummer is like your captain, I was like, then okay. Yeah. That would be cool. So Yeah, that would be cool. Okay. Most underestimated character on the expanse. I would say Larissa Mao. I think that she obviously started off not in a great place and she was like the daughter of some wealthy billionaire and stuff like that. So I think there's ways to kind of underestimate her, but of her own volition, she like, you know, traveled to go get revenge on Holden and made it out there and nearly did it. And then she obviously had a change of heart. And I think we'll probably see her kind of be pretty strong in her own way in season six as well. So yeah, can't wait to see more of her storyline. Okay, your favorite season of the show? I would say season three is near and dear to my heart. That is the season that I started. That is the season that a lot of people actually really enjoy. Every season since then has been really fun and enjoyable to work on and to write for. But I think that everything that we went through from the season to being canceled and and being renewed, I think just makes uh, season three really special for me. Okay, character that you would not want to get into a bar fight with out of these three options, Christian, Amos, or Bobby? Definitely would not want to get into a bar fight with Amos. (laughs) I (laughs) I think Bobby and Christian could be reasoned with. I think once you get on Amos's bad side, I think you're as good as dead, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't think about that, but you're right. You could probably reason with Bobby and Christian. Uh, Okay, which space station or celestial body in the Expanse series would you live on if you could pick? I would live on Tycho Station. Mm. I think if you're going to live in space, it's like this technological marvel of human ingenuity, I think would be really cool to live on. Tycho Station is very cool. Yeah, that would be quite the experience for sure. Okay, would you travel through the ring if you had the opportunity? Yes, but I would not want to be the first person to do it. Um, <laughs> I would, you know, make sure somebody could go and come back and be like, are you, are you cool? You're safe? You still have all 10 toes, 10 fingers, you know, like that. And then I'd be like, okay, let's, uh, let's check it out. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like that answer. Okay, you're building your own crew on the Rocinante, and you have four slots. Which characters do you bring? Amos for sure. Solid um, choice. Naomi. Also solid choice. I like Holden, but I feel like he <laughs> can get <laughs> get his crew Cutting in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it might make for like a smoother trip if he's not there. Uh, he seems to bring the drama inadvertently. He does. But you know what? At the end of the day, what the heck? You know, let's bring him along. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bobby, she's, you know, got the Martian armor. She can uh, protect. We get into some scraps and stuff. So, Oh, yeah. I, yeah, uh, definitely yeah, want Bobby along. along. Okay. And then you're sent on a long duration mission. What's more important, choosing your crew, choosing the food, or choosing the destination? I would say destination. Hmm. And now they say that, like, if you're on a long mission, you want a crew that you can get along with. It's like going on a long flight. If you're seated next to, like, some people that are just, like, horrible to sit next to, it's going to make it feel even longer. But to be fair, I feel like your first answer, too, though, like, choosing the destination. Not a lot of people think about this, but, like, Who's really going to sign up for a mission being like, I don't know where we're going. It could be terrible, you know? I mean, it could be great 
or it could be quite awful. I don't know. That's a big wild card, too. That's true. It's a toss up between the destination and the crew. But yeah, the destination is important. At the end of the day, you do want to go somewhere you can live and it's not going to be like some horrible planet that has like zero life. Okay, and here's the last one. Finish this sentence. In 100 years, we'll all be what? In 100 years, we'll all be able to travel to the moon if we want to. And we'll be able to do it at a reasonably affordable price. Ooh, I love that answer. I hope that's the case. Uh, Not that I'll be around to see it, but (laughs) (laughs) although you never know, modern technology, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you, Glenton, for joining Celestial Citizen Podcast and for indulging me in all my many, many questions about The Expanse. I'm so excited for season six. And just based on the first episode alone, I think we are in for an amazing last season. So thank you again for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Three, two, one. We have liftoff. And it take you on a little trip, my supersonic ship's at your disposal if you feel so inclined. All right. Don't travel faster than light. That little Elon Musk will be left in the dust, so all right. To our community of Celestial Citizens, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast. This episode would not be possible without the terrific work of this show's editor, Victor Figueroa. Thank you, Victor. Also, a very special thank you to Graham Clark, who created the amazing intro and outro music for this podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Celestial Citizen, and I hope you are, then check out celestialcitizen.com. You can also follow along on Twitter at Celestial Citizen and Instagram at The Celestial Citizen. And be sure to sign up for the Celestial Citizen newsletter on Substack. You can find the link to all of this on our website. If you're interested in supporting the mission of Celestial Citizen, consider making a donation on our website. Or you can always reach out to learn more about opportunities to sponsor this podcast. A major component of Celestial Citizen is feedback and public participation. We want to hear what you have to say. So let us know what you think about humanity's future in space and what it should look like. Please share your voice and your unique perspective on social media, or if you prefer, All of the Celestial Citizen articles can also be found on Medium. So drop a comment and join the conversation. If you love today's podcast, please have your friends and family subscribe on whatever device or platform you listen to podcasts on and leave a stellar review so others can get hooked as well. That's all for now, Celestial Citizens. I'll be back next week with our season two summary wrap-up episode. But in the meantime... Don't be afraid to take up space. Three, two, one.